You're listening to the Kitchen Sink Podcast with Mike and Nick, where we discuss anything from internet sensations to 90s nostalgia. Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Podcast with Mike and Nick. I am Nick. And I am Mike. And today's episode is going to be about sales. Uh, I guess the basic premise of, you know, the sales position and how it plays in a, a role in today's society, kind of how it's evolved over the years, you know, from the 80s, 90s to today. Uh, our experience uh, within it, um, obviously, you know, we, we've both done sales for a while now. I'm pushing 14 years. Yeah, and I'm sitting at probably about 10, just shy of 10. Yeah, so a lot of experience on our side. Um, so it's just going to be our thoughts on on all that and especially um, kind of get into, you know, sales management and, and some of the downfalls and, and how people can be, you know, more successful in that in that role. Um, so that's going to be the, the premise of the episode. And then Mike, I think you're going to talk about our, uh, giveaway that we're doing right now. Yep. We are giving away an Xbox series S, um, to one lucky listener. Really the only thing we need, uh, to happen in order to trigger this giveaway is we need to get to a thousand reviews on Apple's, uh, Apple podcast app. So jump on there, uh, give, just give us a quick review of the show, um, the other thing is we will need a way to get in touch with you when you win. So if you could either, you know, use your nickname as a, a name that we can, uh, you know, know is you or send us a quick email to um, chaospod with Mike and Nick at gmail.com, um, you know, with maybe a screenshot or whatever it is, uh, you know, to identify yourself. And then we can reach back out and say, hey, you won. How do we get it to you? Congratulations. Yeah, we definitely want to. I think we're trying to close it up by mid-December. Yep, we're looking at the uh, Friday before Christmas will yep. be when it, the drawing ends. Uh, there will be a little bit of little bit of kind of behind the scenes, you know, putting the drawing together, choosing a winner, those types of things. Yeah. Um, so it'll probably be that Saturday before we make an official announcement. But we'll announce that on um, on our Facebook page. And then the, uh, the next upcoming episode, obviously, we'll have... Uh, the announcement on that as well it'll be fantastic give someone a hopefully a free uh, xbox to give away for for christmas so or sell it on the black market for a thousand bucks i mean whatever you want to do with it we don't care (laughs) it doesn't Um, matter maybe they got street fighter 2 on there and you can catch these hands on it no thanks no thanks (laughs) now we play call of duty yeah a lot and we're playstation people yeah now here's the thing um i took all of my skill points for video games and put them into street fighter 2 so if you put if you catch me on Call of Duty Warzone, you will certainly you're gonna put me catch down. their hands. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna catch every one of their bullets. I'll yeah, dive right into the way of their line of fire. There's uh, the funniest thing that has ever happened in my life is when we were playing in a match in Warzone, and at the very end, it was you and one other guy. Yep. And <laughs> and and in all your power. You tossed a decoy grenade. <laughs> I thought for sure it was a frag grenade. I tossed this decoy grenade, talking shit the whole time. I'll get this, you son of a oh, bitch. Oh, yeah. And it starts going pop, 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 pop. I'm like, oh, no, it's a decoy. Because I'm pretty, it was just me, you, and Trav. And just next thing you know, oh, here you go, motherfucker. And just ding, 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 ding. Oh, it's a decoy. And it was game over. Immediately died. It was the end of it. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so get in on the giveaway. We are really excited to do this. Uh, you know, make someone's Christmas just in time for the holidays and uh, get you that Xbox. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the episode. So 
as far as sales goes, uh, I think we should give our background. Mm-hmm. So after the Air Force, um, obviously I started in retail, started at Circuit City, which I thought was going to be my end all game all. Yeah. We kind of know how that one ended. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so I was assistant st- uh, sales manager there. And when that ended, I had to find a job, obviously. And this was back in 08, 07 when, you know, everything was in a downshift. So yeah. now you were there when Circuit City as an, an entity went tits up, right? hundred percent. So okay. I remember, it, so this was like November of 08 um, is when the bankruptcy started happening. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I was assistant sales manager at a store. I was on the path to get my own store in like Grand Rapids or something. Mm-hmm. And just had my daughter. She wasn't even a year old yet. And Perfect time to lose yeah, a job. Yeah, it was great, you know. <laughs> and uh, and next thing you know, uh, bankruptcy happened and I was out of a job. And pure panic mode. You know, mm-hmm. what do I do? How am I going to survive? And so um, I had a family friend that was a sales manager at a car store in Grand Haven. And he asked me to come on board. So I said, yeah, sure. The heck else am I going to do? Yeah. So I did and I sucked, right? This was the day of go out there and figure it out, kid. Mm-hmm. This, you know, You'll either sink or swim. Yeah. You know, kind of gets into my sales manager eventually. But um, so from there, and it was a smaller store. It wasn't that big, you know, maybe 30 to 40 cars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I needed something bigger. So I went to a bigger car dealership in Muskegon. Uh, it was one of the bigger ones now. And got a lot more training, you know, a lot more hands-on training. All right, Nick, this is what you should do. Um, this is how you're going to grow. And then from there, you know, I just started advancing my career, went into finance management inside the car dealership and then uh, sales management inside of a car dealership uh, to where I am now, uh, which is in real estate and insurance sales. So a total of 14 years uh, selling a little bit of B2B in there, mostly customer facing. Mm -hmm. So that's the nut and bolts of my career. What's what's your sitting at? So mine is kind of on the other end of things. So you said you had a little bit of B2B, whereas most of mine is B2B. Right. Um, It was probably eight or, well, no, I've been in my current position eight years. Okay. And then before that, I worked at a window cleaning uh, company for about six years. Um, I started as a window cleaner, no experience. And what then, kind of experience level do you need to be a window cleaner? <laughs> <laughs> so let me uh, rephrase that. So I had no experience in sales. In okay. Uh, yeah, in life, basically. <laughs> I, I had these two hands and these two legs, and I like, get out there and clean them windows, sucker. Um, but I've got this uh, dynamic personality. So yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they decided that I would be better serving them if they brought me into the office doing some sales work. Um, basically just cold calling local companies like, Hey, I couldn't help but notice your windows look like shit. You want some help with that? Fun. And a lot of times they're like, no. And then I'm like, it's $10 and they're like, ah, still no. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it's kind of a good position to cut your teeth on mm-hmm. in a sales role, you know, kind of understanding what motivates business professionals to, to spend their money. Sure. Cause it is a little bit different than, you know, it's much different a person. Yep. Um, so, uh, while I was in that role, I finished up my uh, education at college, mm-hmm. graduated with a degree in marketing, and uh, went to the company I work for now, which we sell a uh, uh, vertical gardening system. Yeah, 
You got one in your house. Yep. Got one in the house. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I always feel like you can't trust a chef that doesn't eat his own cooking. <laughs> highly accurate. Yeah. So, um, so I've been in this role uh since 2013 i did start in the marketing department uh the guy that was selling the living wall system was Mm -hmm. garbage so um they let him go his way and then i took his job so i've been doing this for a full-time sales role for about three years now in this respect it's enough time yeah and um so it's a little bit different in yours where you you know you work with people the public yeah general Um, public my sales process is to bring an architect on board with our system to get it specified into a a project Mm -hmm. and then i need to work with a general contractor who's you know bringing in subcontractors to actually do the work to make sure they don't get us eliminated from the project to save cost interesting and then i need to work with the subcontractor that actually is doing the installation to make sure that they also don't try to substitute our our system for another one to save cost this sounds like hell yeah it's uh it's it's a lot of work um the sales cycle is about two years so Jesus christ yeah so i'll talk wow. to an architect and about two years later that project will actually come into existence wow so i've, I've got a lot of uh hands in the pot trying to make sure everybody's on the same page and pulling the rope in the same direction for our system and then it's a waiting game. So that's a lot of uh, long, patient work. Yeah. Now you do get the odd project where a, a subcontractor will call you up and say, "Hey, I've got a living wall I need to put on this project, and uh, my back's up against the wall. Can you help me out?" So you do get some of those that turn around more quickly, but for the most part, our process is architect, general contractor, subcontractor. Oh wow! So yeah, that's it's a whole thing. That's incredibly different from my life, mm-hmm. right? the the housing market now is a month or two yeah right you know where you shop for houses for a couple times and you know for a couple months maybe put an offer then you gotta wait to close which will take a month mm-hmm. um the car industry could be a couple hours yeah right i, I impulse bought a car once yeah exactly <laughs> so it, it could be a you know someone walks in hey listen i want this car and then within 30 minutes you're signing yeah so it's, it's a quick turnaround yeah my my skill set and my personality is far better suited to customer facing than B2B. And the reason being is I have always had a hard time bringing someone to a sale, you know, showing, bringing their pain to them. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I would always preach it. You know, find the pain, find what, what needs to be solved. Because traditionally that's what a sale is. You're trying to solve someone's pain, someone's Mm -hmm. issue. So to actually bring light, to 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 someone that had no interest in what you're trying to pitch them was always a struggle for me right i never wanted to come off salesy i never wanted to come off as hey i'm, I'm pitching you this crap come listen to me right. i just felt like it was annoying yep. you know and especially when i was in sales management coming from sales management into that position of b2b is really why i struggled because i always remember my attitude towards the people coming in trying to pitch I would listen to them. I'd be nice to them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was counting the seconds till they left. Yep. So in my mind, whenever I walked through the door, it was this guy already wants me gone. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel in, in my position. And what I do to get around that is I try to make the interactions very brief if we don't have a specific project to talk about. And, um, you know, 
leave him smiling like hey i know you're busy just wanted to check in see if you had anything on the horizon that might fit our system and then keep doing that so it's not painful for them to hear from me but they hear from me often enough and that's kind of my marketing background kind of oozing to the surface yeah whereas marketing it's like same message just keep repeating it over and over and over again and eventually you'll catch them in a time where they need what you have to offer and you're going to be the one they think of. Yep. So that's kind of my whole goal at the very front end of, of the sale process is just being present and being pleasant. Yep. Continuously peppering them mm -hmm. without in your face. Yeah. Yep. I get it. Um, and that's how it's always been preached to me too. I just hated it. Yeah. Right. It I mean, was just, it was far from me. I, I do very well with people coming to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's because I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I'm not very off putting, you know, I, I, yeah. I tend to listen to them. And, and my goal in sales was always to never, you know, stick it to them or, or make a large right. pop. It's always been like, what do you need? I'm here to help. Let me give you everything that you want inside mm -hmm. of your budget and we'll call it good. Yeah. Right. And that's, that, that's what made me successful was that people caught that for me. You know, I wasn't that jerk. I wasn't trying to push anything on them. If it didn't work for them, it didn't work for them. And yeah. so be it. Yeah. And I, you hear that in sales coaching over and over again, like, listen, listen, listen. And that it really can't be overstated enough. Uh, at where I work, we kind of use what we refer to as like the 80, 20 rule. Mm -hmm. Whereas during your first contact with people and oftentimes the second and third contact too, you're doing 80% listening and 20% talking. Yeah. So we've actually got a form that we use that's just kind of here's the information we need and try and get that information and kind of push them along through the conversation in, in terms yeah. of. Uh, you lead the direction. You ask yeah. questions that are going to bounce to your follow-up question and yep. you just continue from there. That's how whenever I would teach sales to people, especially in car sales, I always had said that there's two different types of people in, in car sales. It was your sales people salesperson or your automotive sales consultant and it was i brought it down to a basic pyramid triangle you know your the your salespeople had a very short you know meet and greet phase hey how you doing what you looking for today you know can i make you a deal those people yeah. <clears throat> and then your your demo phase where you're actually showing the vehicle um you know it was a good amount of time but because you didn't listen because you didn't do <clears throat> a good strong meet and greet your negotiation phase was huge, mm -hmm. right? And traditionally your gross profit was small because someone said, I want this loaded up, whatever, you know, Ram truck, mm -hmm. you know, when they really couldn't afford it, you know, or they really didn't need all those, you know, special items, yeah, you know? And so now you've now showed them up, you know, $50,000 truck that they fell in love with. And now you have to make the numbers work. Yep. Now you're doing a long-term contract and you're dropping the price down as much as you can to fit it as close to the budget as possible. And now their payment's still going to be high, mm -hmm. higher than what they can afford. And what you did there is you screwed the customer, you know, to a payment they can't afford, but the truck they love and it's going to devalue super quick. You're never going to see them again. You're going to get better views and they're not going to send anyone your way mm -hmm. versus your automotive sales professionals that took the time to listen to everything that you needed to hear, you know, from their family life, why they're getting a new vehicle, 
Are they downsizing? Are they upsizing? Why are they doing these things? You know, what are your three items that are most that you need? You're walking yeah. away if you don't have it. What are three items that you want? You know, that'd be great to have. Or what are three items that you just don't want? Mm-hmm. You know, so if you do that time and you take that time to listen, I don't care if it takes an hour, right? So that's yeah. your first phase. Your second phase would be, you know, same <laughs> same thing, demo phase. It's going to be about the same. You're showing a vehicle. You can only do that for so much. And then, but by doing that, before you even present numbers, how I would do it is I would have the numbers written down on, you know, payment scales and I'd have it upside down and I would reaffirm everything. All right, Mike. So just, just push, to be sure, you know, mm-hmm. you wanted this truck, you wanted it to be red. You, you had to have leather, which we're going to add it's cloth, but it's, we're just going to add leather. It's a cheaper option. You didn't need navigation because it has Apple CarPlay and you got an iPhone. Great. That saves you another 1500, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so the whole time the customer is shaking their head. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. And by the way, you told me you want to be no more than 400 bucks and you have 1500 bucks you can put down. Right. Right. Great. Here it is. Yeah. It's everything you have right there. So now your customer's in a position that they're comfortable payment wise. They're happy with the car they're getting. They're getting everything they want. They're not getting overstretched and you just made a sale. Yeah. You know, what is there to really argue about or battle back with at that point? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, no, you did it. Thanks, man. Like you said, you're a consultant. You're not selling them the car you have. Mm-hmm. You're selling them the car they need. Yeah. That's which really is it. huge difference. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not hard. It's not a big challenge. The, the biggest challenge that salespeople, especially in the car industry face today and sales in general is a dirty word. Yeah. You know, it, it's been tainted by the 70s, 80s and 90s is mm-hmm. what it is, because people just used to get laid away, you mm-hmm. know, and and I have a saying, uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. So it's OK to make money. Yeah. It, it's it's that's the last thing I'll ever say. Don't not make money. Yeah. Don't not. <laughs> don't not make money. Yeah. You know, it, that's, that's how you live. So but just don't destroy people. You know, it, it, it's not a good look. And you continue to destroy a name. You know, mm-hmm. a sales name because people come in ultra guarded whenever they see a salesman that's slick, you know, dresses super fancy, whatever it is, yep. guard is up. This mm-hmm. guy's about to destroy me. Yeah. And so you got to do everything in your power to get away from that. And that is simply by listening and talking to people and trying to figure out their needs and wants. Get to know them mm-hmm. and don't do it in a shyster way. Do it because you want to know and you want to take care of people. Yeah have a conversation with these people not not just talk to them Mm -hmm. converse with them so you're listening and understanding their their pain points and you know what things they need out of this transaction yeah and i i truly think that it's a it's a manager's responsibility to teach that to their employees yes right so like i said i had managers that just said go out and get them net figure it Mm -hmm. out you know, if you get one, bring them in, you yeah. know, I'll handle it from here. And so I never learned that. And, and the reason why that method doesn't work with managers, not really showing their employees, you know, these tactics, you mm-hmm. know, for, for lack of a better word is because they're just dinosaurs. They're old school dinosaurs that have not changed their ways. Mm-hmm. And some of the, and, and they were fantastic salespeople in their day, right? It's just changed so much, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't necessarily understand, you know, the 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 new age of, of people shopping. Obviously, mm-hmm. the internet's a big, 
hindrance on making a big buck anyways. Yeah, I mean, you can easily, in my position, anybody can go online and type in Living Wall and find five or six different companies that are going to provide them, from their perspective, a pretty similar product. And my job is to educate them as to why these things are different. And it's no different in car sales or real estate. I mean, I could go online and find seven different Hondas I want to buy right now. Yep. And all of them within an hour's drive. And I'm certainly willing to do that to save myself a thousand dollars or more. Yep. And it's not, and that's how I get my cars now, Mm -hmm. you know, since I got out of the car business was I would search up, you know, however many Subaru dealerships, I knew what one I wanted Mm -hmm. and I'd say, give me your best price. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to mess around. Give me your top price. And by the way, I'm shopping you against three or four other stores. Mm -hmm. Right. And some don't want to mess with you at that point. Yeah. All right. Whatever. And then they don't respond. Some. All right. Great. You don't know, play the game. here you go. You know, I'd rather get something small, you know, take mm-hmm. them all big or small. And uh, they would just work. It. And I would always go towards whoever gave me the best price. Mm-hmm. I could care less about a lot of other things. You know, now there was times where two were very close in price. You know, that happened with my car. Two were extremely close. One was ultra communicative, communicative 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 with me (laughs) very nice very friendly understood and he he said listen nick i'm gonna give you the best price for sure let me understand why you're looking at this stuff you know kind of went into yeah figuring me out and which i appreciated knowing what i knew at that point and so that's the route i end up going you know same price but i went to the person i liked yeah right that's always the other thing people buy from people they like you know so Going back to the managers, the managers had a way of selling before the internet boom and before people knew what was better for them. You know, so when they teach or get new employees, they just expect that to be the new case. Well, I did it this way, so you should be able to do it this way. Mm -hmm. I was successful because, and now you should be successful. So when they're not that way, they treat them like crap Mm -hmm. and they boot them out the door. And that's... In the car industry, the turnover rate is massive. It's insane. It's it's one of the things, even when I was a manager, you know, I was forced to fire someone and I hated it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was forced to shun someone because he wasn't performing well, you know, and that a lot of it fell on me, you know, just because I wasn't able to get him to that point, you know, and some people just aren't cut out for it. You right. know, it's some people just don't have that drive or that energy to to do some stuff. And I get it that the car industry has a way of really defeating someone, yeah. you know? And um, so anyways, I was forced to do that from my manager. Nick, you have to hammer him. You have to hammer him. How did you get to this spot? You know, and all that right. stuff. And so I think when managers, the old school managers understand that and they start to realize, all right, there's a different way to do it. Not everyone's going to perform the same way I did. And that's just fine. You know, so not everyone should be a jerk and, you know, tow them around to, to a vehicle that they don't need or don't necessarily want. So I think I think if that happens eventually, you know, things will be better in the car industry. Yeah. So and that's it's funny because that's kind of something we learned in college is. There's kind of two different approaches to management. They call one theory X and one theory Y. Theory X is like the old school uh, management approach you talked about. Do because I said. Yeah, you do what I say. Uh, here's 
everything's coming from the top down you know it's very regimented and kind of hammering people like you said and theory why is um understanding that people have a natural drive to work and they've got a natural drive to be successful and it's the manager's role to capitalize on that and build upon that Mm -hmm. so rather than you know trying to crush their will into the mold they've set you're working to maximize the individual skills your your employee has presented in applying that to the job at hand yeah and in doing that you're going to have much longer employee retention mm-hmm. you'll have happier employees which in turn will then produce more uh, it's just an overall better approach but i think we're seeing the older generation still holding on to to power the grasping and they're still trying to adhere to that theory x approach and it just it's not how people function no i and i learned that a long time ago actually my air force days i had (laughs) um a sergeant of mine uh sergeant reams he told me one day he said listen nick there's he called it he he said there's two different types of managers that you're ever going to run into this is about probably about two months before i got out i was already on my way out we you know i was already planning that and so he was sitting down having a talk with me. He said, two managers. He's like, you're going to have some, he said, with positional power, and you're going to have some with personal power. He said, positional power are mm-hmm. your upper management saying, do this because I said it, or you're fired. Yep. And then you do it, but you're going to do a crap job at it. You're not going to be energetic about it. You're not going to be enthusiastic. And then you have your personal power, right? Your leaders, mm-hmm. where they say, I need you to go move this building half an inch to the west. And you're going to go do it because you want them to be happy with your performance. Yeah. And by the way, they're going to be out there with you pushing, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, those are the people you want to work with. And you talked about um, employee retention and in the olden days, you know, people used to work at places for 20, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. you know, cause there was incentive to, there were pensions, Yeah. you know, there were all these things that would make you, I have to stay here cause I want this pension. You know, they hate their job. They hate their boss. But damn, I want that pension. Yep. There's no pension anymore in life. You know, so people are always going to go where the grass is greener. You know, whatever that green grass is, whether it's more money, whether it's just a better outlook or better job life, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. I mean, you see me doing it right now. I fucking hate hated working <laughs> all those hours at a car dealership yeah. i was miserable you worked insane yeah, hours i couldn't stand it and mm-hmm. so i left for you know less money but i'm much happier yeah you know based on that and that work white work life balance is something you can never get back no and i getting back to the employee retention playing off of the work life balance mm-hmm. like if if they're miserable at work because you're hammering them to hit a sales goal and not giving them tools to do it, you're going to lose that person. hundred percent. There's no way that person is staying there. Nope. It takes, it takes someone saying, Hey, I'll give you an extra three hours off Yeah. for them to go <laughs> done. Yep. Where do I sign? Yep. I'll jump all over that. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't have left the car industry sooner, you mm-hmm. know, because of how that was. And and coming into real estate, I love it. Yeah. It's like the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, there's times where, you know, I'll shoot you a text message, a picture of me just watching, you know, <laughs> Sports Center or something like that in bed, you know, mm-hmm. working still, but yeah. it's just, I'm home. 
I'm relaxing. If I want to take a quick hour and hang out with the kids, I do it. And I think people are starting to understand work-life balance is far more important these days. Now you get you still got your heavy hitters, right? Yeah. Your people in Chicago, New York, that you know, LA that work these stupid amount of hours because that's what you have to do out there. Mm-hmm. You know, but West Michigan, I don't. You know, and yeah. and I think it's getting to the point to where you know, as millennials start coming up into the workforce, they're sure shit not going to work, you know, 60 hours a week. No. You know, Saturdays, what are you talking about? You're not giving me a three-day weekend? Saturdays no. are for the boys. Yeah, yeah, you got to you, you gotta have that out there. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that's important for, for people to really understand is is when you hire someone, you're someone's coming to work for you. So you have an obligation as a manager, <clears throat> as a supervisor, whatever it is, to put them in the most, you know, the best possible way to succeed. I, I feel that's a responsibility as a manager. Yeah. You know, this guy's coming to work for me. You know, I'm not doing them a favor. You he's know, doing you a favor. Yeah, he's doing me a great favor. He wants to come work for me. He wants to bust his butt, her butt, to, to make everyone a lot of money. So my job should be centered around making sure they're happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it shouldn't be the other way. We're not, we're not ancient Egypt, you know, right. you know, take care of people, be kind to others. And I think, I think if that can come around, you'll see a lot more happier people working in the sales role, which coincidentally is going to make your customers happy. Yeah. You know, people feed off enthusiasm at work. You know, have you ever walked in, when I go into Walmart, I freaking hate it. Yeah. Cause everybody there wants to die they're miserable mm-hmm. they they want no part of what's going on you know and the the they do it right by having greeters there yeah the greeters are the happiest people in the world right hey man how you doing good to see you and it's an older tired guy who doesn't need the money because he's already got his 401k yeah. taken care of whereas everyone else in there they're struggling to get by they're I mean, scratching they're making minimum wage which isn't enough to get you pretty much anything anywhere in the country like you can't Mm -hmm. sustain yourself let alone a family on minimum wage and the other thing we learned in college i learned two things in college one is it yeah (laughs) one was the the management theory i talked about earlier the other one is maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. so those of you that are not familiar long and short of it is um there's a hierarchy of needs that need to be met before you can go up to the next step and the very Bottom one is just basic safety and security. And if you don't make enough money to feed yourself, you can't move up to the next level to, you know, improve yourself and think long term about, you know, solutions to your work problems and things like that. And that's why when you go to these places where Mm -hmm. the people are just scraping by, for the most part, they're not happy people. And it's because they are held down because they're so weighted by their immediate needs that they can't move forward and, and yeah. you know, take those next steps and be engaged in their work and make their work environment better. So they yeah. kind of get stuck on that lower rung. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that's why, it, you know, it's, I can't stress enough being at a place where there's happy workers and there's negative workers. Yeah. The best place on earth I've ever been to is Disney World. Yeah. Everyone there is happy. 
Yep. And if they're miserable, they ha- they are fantastic actors. <laughs> you know, and I love going there. If I went to a place like Disney World, and and I and I would be walking around, and someone was just miserable, you know, having a bad time. Hey, sir, where's the bathroom? It's right over there. You yep. know, versus going up to Cinderella. Hey, man, where's the bathroom? At? And then making some magical bippity boppity and bringing it over. <laughs> that's that's the difference. You yeah. know, and and. So happy, happy workers is going to make the, the difference and, and customers feed off that stuff. You know, all, all the people I've ever worked with or sold something with, I can't remember anyone ever being miserable because they dealt with me. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it's not an ego thing. It's just, I always try to be friends with them, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I talk to them all the time, even in real estate now it's, it's even better. You know, it's a far more intimate relationship with them because I get to know them a lot better throughout this process. Yeah, it's a huge, you know, life event buying or selling a house. Yeah, it's it's your biggest one. In in the car world, we would always say, hey, listen, this is your second biggest purchase. You know, I'm here to help you. Yeah. You know, now it's, hey, this is your biggest purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, let's figure this out. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. And, you know, so that's, I try to make friends with everyone I can whenever, you know, I'm selling something to them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So kind of playing off that, my goal on all of my calls is to be the friendliest person on the call, whether it's me and just one other person, or it's a conference call, you know, for everybody participating in the project. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the friendliest person on there every time. No matter and, what. Yeah. I'm pretty successful at that. I mean, and I think that that goes a long way to kind of ingrain myself into the participating parties on the call to know that they can trust what I'm saying and they don't have to feel like if they have a question, like, oh, I don't want to call this guy. He's going to be a dick about it. Like, yeah, call me up, yeah. answer whatever you got. How you represent yourself is so critical, whether you're in and however you're managing life, right? If you're just walking around being a jerk all day long, you're going to have minimal success. Yeah. You know, I, I tell people all the time, even with, you know, my wife, when we're talking to our kids, you know, and when we're disciplining our kids, I'm, I'm a much softer person when I talk to the kids, whenever I'm correcting them, mm-hmm. you know, I always say you get more with sugar than you do spice. Yep. You know, I, I never want to be the person that's always, you know, coming down hard on someone or acting super annoyed with someone, you know, I just, I'm here to help you. Yeah. You know, and that, that goes with my parenting skills. It goes with my general, aside from Call of Duty. Yeah. Which you know, <laughs> I run my unit how I run my unit. You run a tight ship. With an iron fist. <laughs> it's Now you get a pass because you operate on a super chill basis. Yeah. Along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> on a friendly basis. Now my cousin Brock, who you know, can battle back from time to time. He gets it. Yeah. He gets hit hard. Yep. And he gets yelled at. <laughs> and even my second in command, old old T-Bone, yep. will come after him too. <laughs> so how you how you talk to people is how you should expect to talk to people. And how you mm-hmm. interact is how, is people are freaking chameleons. Yeah. Right? Their their mentality is generally a reflection of how they're being talked to or getting treated. I'm that way. Yep. You know, if someone's being a jerk to me, I hit him right back. We just got done talking about it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) we just took a quick break and I just, I laid out how someone was talking to me and I, I threw a dart right back at him Mm -hmm. and made him feel an inch big. Yeah. You know, so 
and that and that's going to be you know how you should interact in sales you want to have pleasant reviews and a pleasant experience with your customers be pleasant with them mm-hmm. you know so i i think that's that's rule number one for me when i sell or when i teach selling be friendly yeah you know make it a positive experience and then from there you know there's always back office stuff <clears throat> that you can do to be better. Everyone can improve every single day. Um, obviously product knowledge, massive. Yeah. You know, you gotta know what you're talking about. And it's hard. Yeah, and that's kind of one thing that drives me crazy about buying, excuse me, about buying cars, is mm. I know a lot about cars. So when I go and I talk to someone about a car, I expect the salesperson's probably not gonna know as much as I do, mm-hmm. just because it's something I care about. Right. So I do a lot of research on these things. And when I go in to buy a car, I know pretty much everything about this car. Right. But if you're feeding me bullshit. And you sniff it out. Yeah. It, it's off-putting. It is okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's something every salesperson needs to put in their toolkit and have it on that little tray that sits on top of the toolkit. Yep. That's, I don't know. I'll get back to you. It's 100% okay. And no one wants to do it that way. Yeah. You know, and I used to battle that one hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to try to find, I used to talk myself to the answer. Yeah. You know, I used to run around the freaking I don't know to, <laughs> to, you know, just to try and figure it out. And then eventually I would get to the, let me go double check mm-hmm. with my manager who knows these things inside and out. Yep. You know, so that was always my initial downfall. But yeah, product knowledge is massive. And because number one, that's going to help your conversation flow, mm-hmm. you know, and not to just know, all right, this car has this yeah, or this car has that, but here's why this car has this. Yep. Here's why that car has that. And this is what it does to improve, mm-hmm. you know, or instead of, you know, going up to a Lariat that comes standard with leather, why not do an XLT and add leather? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you go this route, it's going to be an extra six grand when you, all you want is the leather out of it and it costs 1200 bucks to add it. Yeah. That stuff goes a million miles with customers, man. This guy knows what he's talking about and he's out there to save me money. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, knowing why it is the way it is, you're able to sell the benefit rather than the feature. And yes. that's hugely important. Yep. You can tell someone, yeah, it's got 18 inch wheels. Why? Yeah. Why would I ever care what size? Cool. Yeah. Or you know, what's the point? You're like, oh well, it fits the bigger brake, so now it's safer or yep. performs better, whatever the case is. Yep. So that it, that that's incredibly crucial. You know, obviously, rule one: friendly, upbeat, mm-hmm. positive attitude. Rule two: product knowledge. You no got to know it, and you got to have a process in place. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to navigate the situation, and I would always tell people. You know, what's your process when your process breaks down? Because not everything's going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yep. You know, it might start at B and then go to A and then the F. So you still have to hit all the steps of your process. As long as you end up at Z eventually, yep. that's your go-to. You just got to be able to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you can go more of a straight line in the A, B, C market. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's just going to flow a little bit easier. So. Uh, I always say you got to have a process in place. What is it? And have it written down and memorize it. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to, when I worked in Fremont, 
I had a 35 minute drive there and back. And on my way up was me rehearsing my product or, you know, maybe my lines. If I had a certain flow of how I like to say things that way, it would just come out. You know, I would just regurgitate it. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is, is I just got incredibly mundane by doing it that way. <laughs> we in, in obviously in the car world, the turnaround cycle is a lot quicker. You see the customers more. Plus, sometimes if you do a good enough job, they buy multiple vehicles from you. Mm -hmm. So up in Fremont, I was finance manager. So I met with everyone and I would always have a saying when someone would write a like a check. You know, all right, so how much is it? All right, 1500 bucks. Now, who do I make it out to? I would, my initial reaction, ah, Nick Sparks. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Dursby. You know, whatever <laughs> it was. But I would, I did that so much that I said that to someone. And, a, and so a customer said, all right, so who do I make this out to again? Oh, yeah, Nick Sparks, right? Ha, ha. And I was like, yeah, no, you got me. So that's when I realized, got to mix it up. You gotta, you gotta yeah. come up with something else. You're not that funny anymore. Yeah, and I, I've kind of done the same thing. I've worked into my routine where I'll be talking to an installing contractor, and they're almost always new because it's a relatively new technology. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Can my crew do this installation, or do I need to hire a specialist?" And I'm like, "Listen, I put one up in my own living room, and there's no way on earth your HR manager is going to hire me to work on your crew." Hmm. And they're like, "Ha." <laughs> yeah just drops yeah um but it does kind of set them you know at ease to know that you know i've got a sense of humor and you right. know it, it is something that they can tackle and it kind of lightens the mood and i think that kind of getting back to our other rule it it makes it for a pleasant process they know that it's not just like pulling teeth and getting information and right. you know it's a, a you know it can be fun yeah yeah, we can have a good time not at everything, work. Not everything has to be hell. Not everything has to be a bad experience getting your tooth pulled or anything like that. Yeah. So, And that's what I just see a lot of. And that always goes back towards ownership and management. Mm -hmm. You know, I've worked at some phenomenal places. Place I worked up at in Fremont. Fantastic owners, fantastic bosses. Mm -hmm. you know, I would do anything for them. You know, the last dealership I was at, the Ford store, would never want. I right. I, I pull people away. Yeah. You know, I had a friend of mine looking for a truck, and I called a, another Ford store. You have to take these people because they were looking at a truck <laughs> at my old store, and I mm -hmm. said, "You no, you can't buy it from there." Yeah. You know, versus you know the one in Fremont, I'll send people that way all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll have them drive an extra 35 minutes when we have a Chrysler store in the area. Yeah. You know, drive out there. Talk to these guys. They're they're nice. They're friendly. They're great people. They'll take care of you. Yeah. You know, because they, they took care of me for, you know, seven years. You know, so managers and bosses and owners have such an impact on employees that they can change the culture and they can, they can make it a good experience or a very, very bad experience. Mm -hmm. You know, to where someone made it such a bad experience, it, it took someone out of the industry. Yeah. You know, it, it completely pulled me out. I wanted no part and I'll never go back. Mm -hmm. You know, num number one, now I see what kind of life I can have. <laughs> you know, so. You've seen the greener grass yeah, on the other the, side. Yeah, the grass is much greener. You know, <laughs> I don't know what the greenest kind of grass is, but I'm on it. Yeah. You know, aside from lottery. <laughs> <laughs> that's like spray painting <clears throat> the green grass. <laughs> ah, that's good stuff. That's like green curve. as you get. Yeah. I'd go for that. And we talk about that a lot. If I won the lottery, mm -hmm. 
I'd be a changed person for the worse. Yeah, yeah, same here. It would uh, ruin me. Absolutely. I don't know if it would ruin us per se, but it would ruin a lot of relationships we have. <laughs> Everything we talk about being friendly and kind and loving, yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I think my dream, and, and we. I've said this a lot, my dream is to shove a $100 bill to shut someone up (laughs) just they're just talking no here eat this eat this money i don't need it yeah i have all of it yeah you know yeah they were shocked at work when we were talking uh the powerball got up you know half a billion dollars or whatever they're like would you still work if if you won i said absolutely not no you'd never see me again i'd be way too busy driving my ferrari inside my helicopter to be talking to you folks it'd be the the best thing in the world (laughs) you know it's and i would i would do some damage with that kind of money number Mm. one i can always buy another friend yeah i got the money time a dozen yeah but i remember i i always said if i did that i always like to picture it and one of the things i picture is hiring my cousin brock Mm-hmm. to be the guy that opens up like my dvds you know get that plastic wrap off <laughs> yeah. it and those aren't even a thing anymore but yeah. i would still buy dvds so he would have yeah just keep them employed yeah just <laughs> keep come here i got a stack of 100 peel it off get the tape off i better not see any rips mm-hmm. i need my cases pristine yeah and then go stack them up alphabetical order <laughs> that would be his job yeah and i would be a horrible boss to him <laughs> even worse than on call of duty he gets hammered yeah and rightfully so we were playing last night and it was just me andy and brock and we all died at some point or whatever and um i was left and andy died and brock died or whatever and so i was doing the supply run thing mm-hmm. right where i go get a supply run let him dive in so anyways, loadout was coming in, and um, I go get a supply run, and then Brock uh, was coming in because he just won his gulag. And I said, all right, dude, float. Float right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm finding one. So I find it. Boom. I go get my loadout, and next thing you know, Brock is with me. I said, what are you <laughs> doing, dude? And he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. So now, obviously, I didn't go get Andy. You know, I couldn't. I didn't make it in time to, to save him. But I ended up going over there, and then Brock shows up at some point, and we both die. And I can only say that we all died because Brock's inability to listen, mm-hmm. which puts him in this position of DVD unwrapper. Yeah. it. He'd be good at that job. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he, I, I'm not necessarily sure of what he would be good at, but he would do it. Yeah. <clears throat> and... He can be bought. <laughs> I think that's he, the, the Yeah, that's key. what it boils down to is he's got a price. Yeah, and it's not high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not especially high. when you won five hundred billion dollars. Yeah, no, I can buy him to do anything. And and he he's not above it. Yeah. That's probably the best thing. Yeah. Yep. Well, we all know he needs child support money. <laughs> <laughs> that he does. <laughs> we should it. maybe one day next year get him on. Yeah. So people know what we're talking about. I think we do need to cycle your our, our Call of Duty buddies, which is your cousins, yeah, onto the show just so people can know what we're talking about. I think it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, Might be yeah. a tough to get Trav and Andy on here. 
though they're a bit of a recluse and they they enjoy the smaller things of of life Mm -hmm. and they don't like to get out yeah trav a little bit more Mm -hmm. andy andy works goes home hunts you know and then plays call of duty i mean he has his four dogs Mm -hmm. which did you were you on the other night Yes, I was. When one was on in heat and the other one was just, <laughs> yes, oh my I God. I used to want German Shepherds and that that pushed me right over the edge. The whole time we were playing, the thing was howling God, and barking in the background. Just a horny dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that'd be great. Get, them, get, them, get all three of them on. At least Trav and Brock. Um, Andy's a little bit older, so he's a little bit more boring. Yeah. Um, the, the, so is Trav and Brock, but I mean, we can we can get five minutes of them on here. Yeah, yeah, we'll sell them on it. They'll participate. Yeah, which would be fun. And then we'll put like little pictures of them. Yeah, that way they know we're talking. Which, by the way, my cousin Trav, mm-hmm. um, his Facebook is all my posts. <laughs> <laughs> I was scrolling today, so I take his face and I put him on little movie cuts or you know little uh music video cuts of like Nicki minaj and they're fantastic <laughs> they are incredible it's one of my favorite things to do lately and it's it's a big hit it's made me nervous for this whole deep fake movement um yeah because uh i mean you can tell it's not trav because of the anatomy of the body yeah um but well, when he's when it's his face on Nicki Minaj's body, yeah, it was a very distinct body. Yep, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna say it's easy to look at because it's not. But now I, to pause that one real quick. <laughs> pause, early on in this uh, face shaping that I've been doing, I had one of his face on Megan Fox's body, <laughs> where she stripped down, and. You quote, and I quote, said, Trav has a rockin' bod. (laughs) I stand by it. Immediately caught yourself, but it's a quote. It's out there. It's out into the world now. Which, and that, so that, in the same conversation, I did one of my face on an astronaut, one of the the, Mm -hmm. the Elon Musk astronauts, and I had an aunt who truly thought I went to space. Yeah. Which, to me, is my greatest success story. Yeah. It's not my family. It's not my house. It's I got my aunt to think I went to space. <laughs> and she was convinced. 100%. I saw, I saw the comment. She was talking Facebook. to my mom about it. <laughs> she, she, was, she was asking my mom if I actually went to space and was upset with me because I have a baby coming in January. <laughs> She's, she That's couldn't incredible. believe it. She truly thought, why wouldn't they do that? He has the two kids and now so one baby coming. Irresponsible. Yeah. This, why? So he could go to space. You know. It's, oh, which, that's great. It's fantastic. And now she's the aunt that me and Trav were over her house because it was flooded, mm-hmm. and we were taking a bunch of junk out of it. And she accidentally stepped on a worm that made its way inside the house and apologized to the worm for hurting it. <laughs> is she buddhist or just insane i so my mom is one of nine brothers and sisters okay so you're gonna have a widespread of personalities they're all out there in some capacity each of them are missing something <laughs> you know and and i love them all mm-hmm. they're all great but each and every one has has a misfire 
Some more than others. <laughs> Some more than others. I got a couple ants. Not it, it. It's I have one that uh, used to used to not anymore. Used to talk to wind. I think she doesn't listen. She doesn't <laughs> listen. So it, I'll be fine. Someone might spread the word to her, but it's she lives in Washington. Oh, yeah. and then I get the one that apologizes to worms <laughs> for stepping on them. Wow, it's a good life. That's impressive. That must have made for a very interesting upbringing. You know, so I, I loved it. Like I said, everyone knows now. You know, I was poor. Yeah, you know, but life I like had poor. I had a million cousins, and they were all we had fun. Mm-hmm. You know, me and Trav specifically. You know, we've been best buds for yeah thirty six years now. You know, where we did some of the the greatest things. We were driving down in his truck one time, and I lit a firecracker. We were throwing them out. Or firecrackers or bottle rockets? Those firecrackers. We were lighting them off and throwing them out the car when we were driving down the road. For some reason, right at Holland Brooks, I I I lit the firecracker, but I didn't have the window rolled down all the way, just a crack. <laughs> For some reason, I thought that that was the better way to go. Maybe because I didn't think the wind was going to push it in or something. But anyways, I went to throw it out and my hand hit the window and it bounced back in the truck. <laughs> and so he and I are just driving down the road just with firecrackers going <laughs> off. Just pure panic mode. We used to, um, we won uh, a bunch of money to Gander Mountain one time at a basketball game from doing Dizzy Bat at nice. halftime. And uh, so we, we pulled our money together and we got walkie-talkies. And this is before cell phones, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we both got in our cars and we would we would find a car, just like some random person driving, mm-hmm. and we'd start following them. <laughs> we'd be driving down the road. I got a yellow Impala uh, license plate, <laughs> Victor 1, 2. And just like, we would just find, and we would like take different turns and coming on out. One person caught on to yeah. what we were doing and it was fantastic some old lady and, and we were like full of board going abort 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 <laughs> like down we made our way all the way to mona shores or something it was just probably our driveway yeah so we were we were broke but shit we had fun yeah yeah you don't have to have money to have a good time it, it helps but you don't yeah no it, and that's why i think having a billion dollars from the lotto mm-hmm. will change me yeah because I've never had the money, mm-hmm. you know, in that capacity. You know, I went from broke to mid-level to ultra-rich. Yeah, yeah, I'm a mess life up. Yeah, yeah. Same here. I mean, if I go from black licorice poor to regular to full unleaded. Yeah. Whew. Game over. Yeah. Can we create a hashtag? I feel like we could create a hashtag and trademark black licorice poor. I think we can, and I think we should. I really do. I think that that's some t-shirts be, that say "Black Licorice Pour" on it. That's going to be a good thing. Watch out for the KS podcast <laughs> merchandise of Black Licorice Pour. I'd wear that shirt. I'd wear that shirt everywhere. I'll make them. Well, we'll get it figured <laughs> out. I, I think I know some people in the t-shirt business. Nice. I'll get Brittany to do another. The person who did our logo, I'll get her to to design some Black Licorice Pour. Yeah, which, by the way, that logo is... Dynamite. Dino. I've had multiple, multiple people tell me, who did your logo? Because it's phenomenal. Yeah, she did a good job. Yeah, she crushed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you you thought it was just going to be some scrub going there with a sketch pad. No, 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 no. Full on... Professional. Yep, that was great. So I think, um, I think it's a good wrap-up point. Yeah. 
Um, I think we've covered the basics of approach to sales. Now, before we close, I want to take advantage of your expertise. Yes. What are some tips some a listener should employ when they're going to buy a car to not overpay and to get themselves the best value? So it's very simple. Um, be transparent mm-hmm. with the salesperson. Don't be afraid to hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. Shop around. Right. Do your research ahead of time. Under, you know, call someone that you know that's been in the car business. Maybe he's not in there anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but do your research ahead of time. Know what you think you want yep. and get a good understanding of it. And then do it in parts. Right. Don't do the spot buy car. Yeah. Right. Go there to test drive one day. So let's say you're looking at a truck. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be buying a truck in the next two years. Right. So when I go to buy a truck, I'm going to test drive all the brands. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drive a Ford. I'm going to make sure it fits in my garage. Right. I'm going to drive a Chevy. Do the same thing. Drive a Toyota. All those different brands. And then from there, I'm going to find out which one, two or three of them fit my needs the best. And then I'm going to start doing heavy research on those. And so from there, I'm going to go there and negotiate my pricing with them, right? Same thing with my trade. A lot of people always say, hold your trade off, hold your trade off. Mm-hmm. I don't say to do that. Bring your trade up early and there's going to be a reason why. Bring your trade up early. Let them start showing you prices because what they're going to do, especially if you already told them that you're shopping around, they're going to over allow on your trade. Okay. Right. So what they do is they hide money. Mm-hmm. Right. They say, hey, listen, maybe your car is only worth, let's say, eight grand. All right. We're going to give you 10 grand for your trade because a lot of people are always concerned with what I'm getting for my trade. Right. You know, because they have a little bit more of an emotional connection to that versus their new car mm-hmm. where they don't give a shit what they're getting paid for the new car. <laughs> they just care what I'm getting for my trade. So a lot of times dealerships will over allow, show you a high number for your trade in while still pocketing a bunch of money on that new car mm-hmm. or maybe holding a rebate. Stores can hold rebates where they keep rebates. Um, so always have your trade in early and, you know, get those pricings done and then uh, tell them that you are shopping around and then start shopping around. Right. Now you're down to the vehicle that you want. Right. I want an F-150 XLT. Here's all everything. Give me your best price. And they're going to start dropping the price. You know, this is why it was important to have your trade in there early because, um, they're not going to try and sneak it again, mm-hmm. right? They, they already got that 10 grand. Yeah. The only thing they could do now is drop that, the selling price or give you all the rebates. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's super important to do that. But yeah, step one, do a little bit of research, start to figure it out. Test drive one day, take mm-hmm. like a Saturday, uh, you know, or whatever, and test drive all these vehicles and be upfront about that. Listen, I'm just driving vehicles today. I don't want to see numbers at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I am going to shop you when I do figure out what I want. And then when you get down to the exact one that you want, hammer out all your options and then start negotiating your price. And don't be scared to walk away. Yeah. You know, if, if the math doesn't work out, get away. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm a big fan of um, having financing already in play. However, dealerships do have a little bit more relationships with different banks to where you might be able to get a different interest rate. Here's something a lot of people don't know. If you do do financing from 
from the dealership, you know, from a bank that they that they go with. Make sure you look at that approval. So dealerships have the ability to actually bump that interest rate. Mm -hmm. So let's say they have a buy rate of 2%, right? They can bump it up to 2.5%, 3%, sometimes up by two points. So so you could have qualified for a 2% interest rate, but you're actually, and now you're paying 3.5%. The reason why that is, is that they're getting paid, it's called reserve, right? To Mm -hmm. where they're going to be making a ton of money on the back end. Okay. So, and then in, uh, service contracts, warranties and stuff like that aren't bad, mm-hmm. right? I, I think they're a wonderful thing to have because cars are expensive to fix and replace. Right. So it's very important to get a service contract. Negotiable, right? Yeah, because they kind of pitch it to you as here's the price for this thing. Yes or no. Yep. Highly negotiable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where they make their money at, mm-hmm. right? I spent seven years in that box. And did very well because that's how you did it. Yeah. Right? And I didn't lay anyone away, but it was a profit center. Mm-hmm. You know, so be conscious of that. You can negotiate that. I'd probably look into that pre-signing, mm-hmm. right? Because that, you know, you can roll it into your loan or pay it separately with cash. But once you get your car all laid out and, all right, here's the parameters. Let me talk to your finance manager. Let me talk to your business manager. I want to get warranty dollars Mm -hmm. service contract and maybe do that with another store you know so it's the whole package negotiate the entire package not just the car Mm -hmm. you know the car the service contract gap insurance whatever you want and make sure you're looking at that pre-approval letter so that way you're not getting screwed out of those extra points yeah the goal is for you as the customer to spend the least amount of money as possible Mm -hmm. that's it you know so and I'm happy. I, I think I help a ton of people with that. Whenever I know someone that's buying a car, I navigate them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just kind of come in off the street and they're like, well, I got through the negotiating the price of the car. I'm in the clear. Yep. Everything's down the home stretch now. And they kind of drop their guard when I uh, impulse bought that Subaru. Yeah. That's exactly how it went with me. I negotiated the price of the car. And up until this point, I would go to a used car lot and say, how much do you want for the car? Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's the one I'm going to get. That's how I do it. So now this was the first one where I actually negotiated at all. Yeah. And uh, once that was done, this was before you and I were uh, friends. And I didn't realize that all of that was negotiable as well. So they basically said, here's your interest rate. Do you want this warranty? Here's how much that costs. I was like, it makes sense. Throw it on there. Yeah. I didn't realize I had the ability to to negotiate any of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of the rookie move. Like a lot of people don't understand that until you walk out of that door, you can negotiate every single thing. Everything is negotiable. And is it a better time to buy a car at the end of the month? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. So in this day and age where grosses are down because of the internet, it's a volume-based business, especially on the Chrysler world. Chrysler has um, like designated sales per month they send to their dealerships. You got to sell 20 new cars. And if you do, we retro back $1,000 per vehicle. Guess what happens if you sell 19? You don't Nothing. get any of that money. So let's say you're at the end of the month and that dealership is at you know 19 vehicles and they need one more sale. They, They'll give that they thing would to you. drop the heck out of that car. So they would take a $4,000 loss. 
because I'd rather take a four thousand dollar loss and profit fifteen bucks, fifteen grand from Chrysler mm-hmm. versus maybe sell a car for a hundred bucks over invoice cost, right? And lose out on that twenty grand. So, yes, hundred percent on new cars, mm-hmm. pre-owned, no. Yeah, that, it, it doesn't matter. Their mm-hmm. their months just roll. You know, sometimes they might have internal incentives with their salespeople. Hey, listen, if you sell 15 cars, I'll give you an extra thousand bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, but it's whatever. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get the crazy smoking deals. The new cars hold off till the end of the month. Start shopping maybe a week or two earlier, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of sit back and see where they're where they're going. And you'll get some phone calls. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you know, if it's like right now. We're, we're sitting on the 29th of the month. Tomorrow's Monday. It's the last day of the month. I promise you, phones are ringing off their hooks for people that are close yeah. on the fence. Listen, we need to make a deal. What's it going to take? Yeah, and that's where shopping different dealers comes into play. Because you might go to one guy and he's set for the month, but you might go to the other guy and he's the one he's car short. super close and he's mm-hmm. going to drop his pants and give you a car Yeah, because it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the end of the day, they're making money and, and things are good. And understand that there are a lot of, I would always ask, let me see your invoice, right? At dealerships, yeah. you know, have them be transparent with you. And they're going to show you an invoice that shows you the cost. And now there's something else on there. It's called holdback, right? So mm-hmm. if you were to look at an invoice, it's going to have your MSRP, manufacturer suggested retail price. And it's going to have a whole bunch of different itemized numbers, which, you know, trailer brake controller or, you know, navigation that has dollars next to it. At the very bottom, it's going to show invoice, which is going to be your cost. Mm-hmm. Right next to that invoice cost is going to be something called holdback. 1100 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever that is. That's profit for the dealership mm-hmm. that they can give up. You know, they also get something called floor plan allowance, a couple hundred bucks. They also get advertising allowance, a couple hundred bucks. All these different things that is profit to the dealership. So they might say, here's my cost and, sh- and circle the invoice. They still have another 1500 bucks sitting in their mm-hmm. pocket that they can give to you. Yeah. You know, so understand that. And if you have a dealership that doesn't want to show you the invoice, walk away. Yeah. If, if they're not going to be that transparent, what's the point of doing business with them? Yeah, they're not a uh, uh, automotive professional sales yeah. professional they're salespeople. Yep. you know they don't care if you buy a hundred cars from them they want that one car mm-hmm. so i think i pissed off a lot of people in the car industry <laughs> <laughs> good. good yeah good, good. <laughs> yeah but it is what it is i mean it's ultimately people need to make you know save money there's enough people out there that aren't going to listen to the show mm-hmm. that are going to spend the money yeah you know so they'll be fine yeah and that's the other thing is as a salesperson to kind of put a bow on my end of things my customers and it might be different because it's b2b but we all know that we all need to eat yes so if i go to buy something like a car and i know they've got a little bit more profit that they can send my way but the guy's been respectful and we're you know on even ground with one another i'm not going to beat the hell out of them for that extra couple hundred bucks Right. He's got a family to feed. He's got a mortgage. Yep. So it's in from the sales side of things. That's that's kind of how I like it to be. Where you know, I'll give you the best value that I can, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I've got to eat too. Right. So got to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's good. So I think that's a good wrap up. 
Um, I hope everyone, whether you're in the sales field, uh, I hope the managers took something from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have a little bit of saltiness from from (laughs) my days in it. And that's coming from something that was a manager. Yeah. You know, and it's just the way I, I saw things and I and I saw how it ripped people apart. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, people need to be happy in life um, and make money. Yeah. You know, so uh, the job as a sales manager is to grow your employees and give them the best advice that you can and not expect them to be you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's the if, if I could give advice to any manager, it's don't expect them to do things you did, you know, because there is multiple ways to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, like I said, I, I did very well and I'm a completely different person than a lot of managers in this world yeah. that are completely jerk. You know, so, yeah, if, if you're a salesperson, you know, getting into the business or, or you know, been tenured for a while, you know, don't stop growing, mm-hmm. you know, but understand you got to be happy at what you're doing and. You know, don't stop shooting for a dream of, of a better life. Just don't work yourself to death. You know, I, I have a saying when I got out uh, of that business was I've never heard someone say on their deathbed, I wish I worked more. Yeah. You know, it, it's have a better quality of life. It's possible to do that and, and still maintain that lifestyle without working 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's completely possible. Um, however you want to do it. You know, I, I have my real estate license and my life insurance license and my health license and, you know, studying to get my property and casualty license where you just have a lot of different things working, you know, same thing with you. You got your, your business. We have the podcast. Yeah. You have your marketing program. I owe you money for that, by the way. Um, I'll send you an invoice. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did. I think you sent me like some, some PayPal. Yeah. I don't know if Venmo lets me send invoices. Yeah. But. By the way, Brock just asked me if we're killing tonight on Call of Duty. <laughs> if he knew what we said about him tonight, he'll learn. As soon I enough. look at his message right now, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so I guess that's going to be it, folks. Um, hopefully, you know, you were able to take something away. Honestly, even if you weren't in the sales field, hopefully it was just something kind of interesting. I think a lot of people will, you know, find a lot of value towards the end there, where we discussed at the very least the process for buying a car and get them getting the best deal. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to buy several cars throughout your lifetime. And if you can save a few thousand dollars every time you do it, it's going to make a big impact. Yep. Just go ahead and send us, you know, 10% cut yeah, of that. I think that that's fine. That's fair. Right. Yeah. 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 They can even give me, give me a call and I'll do a consulting fee. Yeah. And I'll negotiate it for them. Yeah. And I'm not scared about that. What's your phone number for them to call? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> give them Brax. <laughs> so. But that's it. Don't forget to enter into our drawing. Yes. For the Xbox. Um, obviously, you've you've listened to this podcast now. Go ahead and hit a review on mm-hmm. Apple. We're just doing yeah. Apple reviews. Yeah, just on Apple review. A uh, little bit of behind the scenes. That's how Apple, you know, helps promote our podcast to other listeners as they see that we've got a lot of reviews and a lot of people enjoying the show. That's not to say you have to give us a five star review. I mean, I think. If you're being honest with yourself, it would be foolish not to. It's a five. But that said, you know, maybe you're a car dealership owner and you're like, man, fuck these guys out here giving away all my secrets. (laughs) (laughs) I have car dealership friends that are, that might listen to this thing and they're going to be, they get it. Yeah. I mean, if we cost you money as a car dealership, give us a one star. It's fine. 
Yeah, I'll we've earned it. it. I'll, yeah. I'll wear it as a badge of honor. That's fine. I think the only one stars we should get are from car dealerships and my cousins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. I think that'll be it. Well, that's a, that's the show. I <laughs> uh, appreciate everyone listening and uh, look forward to uh, seeing some reviews and hopefully we'll be announcing a winner next time. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks guys, for listening.